Okay, we're starting a new series today, and I was wondering if anybody can tell me what it's called. Thank you. Lost. Okay, I'm doing the jokes today, okay? So just let me handle all the jokes. All right, so we're starting a new series called Found, and in this series, we are going to learn a little bit more about God. We're going to learn what God is like, and we're going to learn what is very important to him. And if you are a Christ follower, which I would think that would be a a lot of of our folks here would be Christ followers. I'm so glad you're here because as we learn what's important to God, that has huge implications for us. We're going to learn things that should be important to us as well. God cares very much about something. We should care very much about that thing as well. When God spends all of his time and energy on something, we should spend all of our time and energy on that same thing. Now, if you aren't a Christ follower, Maybe you're here today and um, maybe you showed up because somebody uh, from Epic helped out at your house and some cleanup and you thought maybe you just come check Epic out or maybe you thought you were going to the movie theater and you're a little disappointed because you, know, you thought you were pulling into Epic theaters, but here you are at Epic Church and you're a little bit confused. But I'm glad you're here if you're not a Christ follower because this series is going to help us understand what God is really like. And I think we all know that there are many misconceptions out there about God. And you think about where those misconceptions come from. They come often from Christ followers who don't live like Christ. And I'll ask the same tough question I've asked the first service and the second service. How many of you as Christ followers don't always live like Jesus? All right, I got two hands up. Um, Because I think we all acknowledge, like, we don't always live like Jesus. And when we don't live like Jesus, we help uh, reinforce some of those misconceptions that people have out there about God. And so if you're not a Christ follower, I'm so glad you're here because Jesus is going to teach us about God the Father. And he's going to teach us about himself as well. And I think it's going to help clear up some of those misconceptions. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you have a Bible, feel free to open to Luke 15. If you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to bring that up. Verses will also come up on the screens as well. So Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 1. This kind of gives us the context of this whole chapter that we're going to be in all throughout this series. So verse 1 and 2 says this. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Can you believe that? Jesus would eat with such sinful people. So these two verses help us to understand what God is like. They give us that beginning understanding. And one thing that we need to remember before we continue on is that when we watch Jesus in scripture, we're watching God in the flesh. So scripture teaches that Jesus is God in the flesh. So when we see him, how he treats people, how he behaves, how he lives, how he loves, we're watching God himself. So Jesus is going to teach us about himself. Jesus is also going to teach us about God, the father. These two verses tell us that Jesus spent a lot of time around people who were not like him. He spent a lot of time around like unreligious people. And, you know, that kind of is interesting to me, because when I think about God leaving the splendor of heaven, coming to earth, I I think that he would probably want to surround himself 
with people who were fully devoted followers of him, maybe pastors, priests, rabbis, people who were studying their Bible on a regular basis, people who prayed all the time, people who worshiped him. I mean, I would think that's the people he would surround himself with. But Jesus spent way more time around tax collectors and notorious sinners than he did around religious leaders. And the other interesting thing to me about that is people who were very much not like Jesus liked to be around Jesus. Like they really liked him. There was just something about Jesus that drew them in and drew them up. Like they, they felt better when they were in Jesus' presence. So that's fascinating to me and it's also very convicting. So if you're a Christ follower, let me ask this. Do people around you at work, home, school, who are not like Jesus, people who don't share your faith, do they like to be around you? Do they really like to be around you? And I don't mean they like to be around you because you don't act like a Christian. I mean, do they like to be around you because there's just something different about you? There's something different about how you work. There's something different about how you are at school. There's just something different about how you interact. You're not like some of the other Christ followers out there who don't live like Jesus. Like there's just something about you that, that draws people in and draws people up. There's something different about how you live. There's something different about how you love. There's something different about how you treat people. There's something different about how people feel in your presence. Not that you condone their lifestyle that may not be something that honors God, but there's just something different about you. If you're a Christ follower, do people who are not like Jesus, do people who don't share your faith, do they like to be around you? They should. Because people who were not like Jesus loved to be around Jesus. So these religious leaders, they're upset. They're upset that Jesus is going to spend so much time with, with these uh, kind of people, tax collectors and nor- notorious sinners. So Jesus decides to tell them some stories. He tells them three stories. He tells them the story of the lost sheep, tells them the story of the lost coin, and then he tells them the story of the lost son. We're going to look at the first two stories today. Jesus starts... In verse four. So he starts his story like this. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So he asks them a question. And I'm sure that as these religious leaders are listening to Jesus, I'm sure they're answering that question and saying, yes, that, that's what someone would do. If someone had 100 sheep, they lost one, of course. They would leave the 99 together because they're safe together, and they would, he would go, and he would find that one lost sheep. Absolutely. Now, for us, what would we say as Jesus asked that question? We would say, 100 sheep? Like, how did I end up with 100 sheep? Like, I, I, don't, I don't own sheep. And if I lose one of them, no big deal. I'll just go to Publix I can buy another one, probably buy one, get one free, and I come home like with a better deal. I've got 101 sheep. Isn't that fantastic? So sheep don't have that much value to us. But I want you to think about something that has great value to you. If you lost that thing, what would you do? What would you do if you lost something of incredible value? You can participate, Ella. Look for it. What was that? Cry. Cry. Okay. So be sad about it. Look for it. 
Stress a little bit. Pray. Great. Get depressed. What was that? Get mad. Hopefully as we progress through that, then we, we turn into, into action. We start looking for that thing uh, which is lost. Um, in my life, uh, you know, I think we've all lost things. In my life, I've lost my keys. I've lost my wallet. I've lost my marbles. I've lost my way. I've, I've lost, you know, just all kinds of things. But one time, I lost one of my kids. Anybody ever done that? Like lost a kid? Like, hold your hand up high. That is not good, people that are raising your hand. That's just is not good. You should not lose a kid that is yours or you're responsible for. But about 18 years ago, my wife and I and uh, two of our kids, the two kids that we had at the time, Sydney and Maddie. So Sydney, our oldest, she was four at the time, and Maddie was two at the time. We lived in Virginia, and we lived in this small apartment. And uh, one day I was in this small little closet of an office that I had and I was working in there and blocked everything out. And Tammy opened the door in a panic and, and she said, Trent, like, you got to help me find Maddie. Like, I've lost Maddie. I cannot find her. I have no idea where she is. One moment she was there and the next moment she was gone. I've looked everywhere. I have no idea where she is. And she was in this like mama bear panic mode. Like, you better drop everything. Come help me find her. So being the super spiritual guy that I am, I said, Tammy, just relax. I said, at least we still have her sister. And we can always make another kid. Just saying. So I did not say that because I am still here today. My mama bear wife would have, whoo, one swipe killed me. So I didn't say that. So what did I do? I dropped everything. Like, I dropped everything I was doing. I got up, I went out, said, let's look. So we started looking everywhere, yelling and screaming for Maddie. And, you know, we started thinking the worst. She got out of a door. She got out of a window. It was a busy street outside of our apartment. Like, oh, no, what could have happened? So we're in a panic. We're looking everywhere. Well, and one of my passes through the hallway, like 100 times through this little hallway that we had, um, there was this little tykes wagon. And in the little wagon, we had two stuffed dogs. So these oversized stuffed uh, animals that our kids would lay on, they were bigger than our kids, and they would lay on them and watch uh, TV. So in one of my passes, I look down in the wagon, and I see an eye. <laughs> so Maddie was under one of those, laying on the other one, and she was looking at us. And she was watching us go back and forth, back and forth. And when we found her, when I saw, Maddie, she's right here. Tammy comes around. So we pull her out of the wagon. We hold her tight. I mean, I know it's kind of a funny story now, but in that moment, our daughter who was lost was found. And so we're squeezing her tight and so grateful. Once I calmed down, I wanted to spank that daughter of mine. I'm like, <laughs> like how could you do that to us? Like, that is wrong. And Tammy talked me out of that, so Maddie is still alive uh, today, and um, she's loving life. So what do we do when we lose something of great value? Do we say, oh, we could find Maddie after dinner? No. We drop everything, and we go and search for that which is lost. So remember, Jesus is telling a story. He's telling a story to these religious leaders about why he spends so much time with tax collectors and notorious sinners. And so he continues in verse five. And he says, and when he has found it, 
He will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And then in verse seven, he says, in the same way. So, so everybody listening, like in the same way, I just told this story, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, I don't know that we can fully understand how much conflict that would have caused for these religious leaders, um, but it would have caused a lot because they had created a spiritual caste system where at the top of the caste system were the very important people. These were the people that were closest to God. And who do you think was at the top of that ladder? Them, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of religious law. And under them were people who were studying, learning to be like them. Under that was kind of the common people. They weren't as important, but, you know, they're kind of important. And then underneath them were the sinners. And then there were the notorious sinners. And then under that, there were the tax collectors. And the tax collectors had a category all by themselves. And if you were a sinner or a notorious sinner, you could say, well, at least I'm not one of them. At least I'm not a tax collector. And so Jesus confronts that spiritual caste system and he challenges everything that these guys think God is like and think that is important to God. And so I can imagine they're about to start arguing with him. But before they can get their words out, Jesus tells them another story in verse eight. In verse eight, he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And their answer would have been, yes, absolutely. You know, you've got 10, 10 uh, silver coins, you lose one. Absolutely. That woman is going to search for these coins. Now, um, let me put this in context for us. This is not like having uh, 10 quarters and we say, I lost a quarter. I'll get another one next time. This wasn't like that. In that culture, in that day, when a father had a daughter that was of age to be married, he would give her 10 silver coins. And she would take those coins and she would put them in a headband. She would wrap them in a headband and she would wear that headband around and it would announce to the community that she was of age to be married. And, and kind of guess what? If you marry me, you get these coins as well. So that's a little bit weird to us. But for her... Think how valuable those coins would be. Now, again, understanding the culture, if you were a woman in that culture and you weren't married and you didn't have kids, you were a burden on society. So for, for this young woman to lose a coin, it was a big deal. She wouldn't just wear ten or, or nine around. She would wear 10 around. So she would search everywhere to find that coin. And then Jesus continues and says, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my last coin. Then verse 10, Jesus kind of summarizes it. He says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, Jesus has said that word repent twice. So we got to explain it just for a moment. So repentance means turn from and turn to. So it means to turn from sin Turn to God. Turn from my ways to God's ways. And, and that's in the context of what Jesus is explaining, what it means to be found. 
So he's saying when somebody repents, somebody says like, like I want to be found by God. Like, I don't want this life anymore. I want to come to God. That's what repentance is all about. But let me ask this. It says in verse 10, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So who's in the presence of God's angels? Somebody said God. It's God. God is in the presence of his angels in heaven in the context of this verse. So who's excited in heaven about one person repenting and turning to him? It's God. Who's the one who's overjoyed about that? It's God. Who's the one that's throwing a party in heaven? It's God. Now, when was the last time you thought of God as the party thrower? I would say many of us don't see God that way. We see him as the party pooper, right? I mean, he's the guy up, up in heaven throwing lightning bolts at people who aren't living the way that they should live. He's the guy that, that's sending plagues on people to try to get them to turn around. But God as the party thrower? Jesus says that's what God is like. Now, when Jesus would tell parables like this or stories, he would kind of leave people to figure out what they meant and kind of wrestle with them and, and kind of leave the tension out there. He didn't explain every parable that he told. Every once in a while, he would explain some to his, his disciples, but he would leave that tension out there. And people were left to figure out, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? Who am I in this story? Who are you in this story? And what should we do with this? So again, he's talking to religious leaders. So these religious leaders are listening to this story and they're processing and they're smart people. So they're probably going, okay, so we have to be the 99 sheep and the nine coins because we aren't lost. And the notorious sinners and the tax collectors, they have to be the lost sheep and the lost coin because they certainly are lost. But wait a minute. Jesus, are you suggesting that those people tax collectors and notorious sinners have the same value to God as we do? Are you kidding me? Certainly God cares more about us than he does them. And sometimes I think we have the same thought. Sometimes we think thoughts like that because I think sometimes we create our own spiritual caste system and sometimes we say, you know what, there are more important people and less important people. And I wouldn't think that most of us would put ourselves you know, up at the top of the list. We would probably put ourselves in the middle of the list. You know, Maybe we would say, well, I'm not as good as Billy Graham or I'm not as good as Mother Teresa, but I'm kind of in the middle because at least I'm better than those people, whoever those people may be for you. But when we have thoughts like that, when we say things like that, we are like the religious leaders that Jesus was talking to. So as we listen to this story, we've got to answer the question for us. We have to wrestle with the tension that Jesus leaves. And we have to answer the question of, like, who are we in this story? Are, are we the people that Jesus was talking to or the people that Jesus was talking about? So are you somebody who's had a relationship with God for a long time? You, you love God. You, you read your Bible on a consistent basis. You pray. You worship him. Or maybe you're a person that Jesus would categorize as someone who's spiritually lost, someone who doesn't have a relationship with him. So let me start with those who are Christ followers. If you're a Christ follower, God is inviting you to help him find lost people. He's inviting you into that adventure. 
Jesus didn't tell these stories to these religious leaders to say, listen, you're like so horrible people. I'm way better than you are. You should be like me. Jesus was saying like, I want to invite you into the greatest adventure you could ever be on in your lives. And that is to find people who are spiritually lost. And so if you're a Christ follower, will you do that? That's what matters to God. That's what God is spending all of his time and energy on is looking for people who are spiritually lost and and creating ways for them to be found by him. Will you join him in that? Now I have to warn you that joining God in that is messy. It is a messy process. And when you learn to live more like Jesus, guess what? People who are not like Jesus will want to be around you. They'll want to be around you at work. They'll want to be around you at school. They'll want to be around you in our community. They'll want to be around you at church. They may join your community group. They may join your serving team. And when you look around and go like, what are these people doing here? Well, if you're living like Jesus, guess what? There's a good chance they want to be around you. And as you interact with them, as you learn to do life with them, you'll be like dealing with some of their mess. And you'll probably have to love someone who's really hard to love. You'll probably have to speak truth to someone who doesn't necessarily want to hear all that truth. You'll probably have to help someone who's not all that appreciative of the help that you can provide in that moment. And then there'll be other people. As, as you're doing that, as you're, you and I are joining God and finding lost people, there'll be other people that say, why are you spending so much time with those people? Like, why do you care so much about those people? Why are you even eating with them? Here's the answer. Because God stepped out of the splendor of heaven. He stepped into our mess. He stepped into my mess so that I could be found, so that you could be found if you're a Christ follower. So we owe it to our Savior to help find other people, mess and all. So we join Jesus in that. Now we have a way for you to kind of share Uh, what you found when God found you throughout this series. So on your way in this morning, when you walked past on on the right-hand side, there was a a table. It had um, stacks of Post-it note cards with different colors, and there was this board there, and it had all these uh, white uh, pieces of paper that you could flip up. We're calling that our found board. And what I would love for you to do before you leave or even next week when you come in, just stop and write down one thing on one of those little pieces of paper, one thing that you found when God found you. Like, like maybe when God found you, you found peace that you, you could never explain to anybody outside of a relationship with Christ. Maybe you found a family. Maybe you found home. Maybe you found forgiveness. Maybe you found mercy or grace Maybe you found something that you could never describe to anybody else outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ that transformed you. So if you would, on your way out, just stop and and fill out something, one word, one little sentence, and then you can open a flap and then post that under there, and it'd be fun for us to learn together what what people have found when, when God found us. Now, if you aren't a Christ follower, maybe you're one of the people that Jesus was talking about and maybe Jesus would, would label you as a spiritually lost person. You may not use those words, but if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's what Jesus would say. You're, you're lost. He wants to find you for today and for all of eternity. So 
My question is, will you allow yourself to be found by him? Jesus went to great lengths to prove his love for you, left the splendor of heaven, came to earth to die so that you could be found. Will you believe in that? Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus and be totally transformed by him? If so, I hope you'll come up and talk to me after the service. If you're ready for that today, I would love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you and help you make that decision that will transform your life forever. But if you're not ready for that, here's what I ask. Come back next week. Come back for this whole series. Because in this series, we're gonna continue to learn what God is like. And as we continue to learn what God is like, again, I think it's gonna radically change some of our misconceptions about God. And I think we're gonna get to that spot where we have to make that decision. Jesus, do I, do I go all in? Do I go all in in a relationship with you or not? Based upon what I'm learning that you are like and what's important to you. So again, if you aren't a Christ follower, super glad that you're here and I hope that you'll come back and I hope you'll invite somebody to come back with you next week. Now, I'm gonna pray and then Evan's gonna come out and he's gonna close us in a a short song that, that helps us to reflect on some of the things that we've learned today. So if you would, just pray with me real quick. God, I'm super grateful for Jesus' teachings and what we can learn about you through him and his life, what he taught, how he lived. And through this series, we learn that that, that Jesus, God the Father, you care so much about lost people. You left the splendor of heaven to come and spend all of your time searching for, for those who are lost. Those of us who are Christ followers, we should care as much about lost people as you do. We should spend all of our time and energy just like, like you have done, just like you are doing. We should spend like every waking moment, like when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're at school, we, we should be looking for as many ways as possible to help someone who's lost be found. So God, I pray that we would join you in the greatest adventure we could ever be on. And Lord, I pray for those who Jesus was talking about. Pray for those who may be spiritually lost. Today might be that day that they say, you know what? I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus. Today's the day I'm allowing myself to be found by God. And Lord, I pray for those who may be making that decision today. But Lord, for those who are still processing that, Lord, I pray you'll bring them back next week. I pray you'll bring more people back next week so that we all can understand what you are really like and what's really important to you. So God, thank you for the stories that we've learned today and how they can transform us. In Jesus' name, amen.